This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the September edition of my year-long podcast series on creating a more effective compliance program. Each month during this year, I'm focusing on a different topic, which will help you create a more effective compliance program. And for the month of September, I'm going to focus on innovation in compliance. First, a word from this month's sponsor, Oversight Systems. Thanks, Tom. And thanks to everyone for joining us today. Oversight's artificial intelligence platform takes a comprehensive, multi-dimensional approach to identifying anomalies that are suggestive of bribery and corruption. Our analytics look across various dimensions such as employees, attendees, vendors, and countries over an extended time period. This enables us to identify employees exhibiting patterns of potentially improper behavior or collusion that are difficult to detect by auditing a single transaction at a time. Based on the analysis, employees or vendors engaged in risky behavior are presented in a risk-ranked format for easy examination. Remediation activities and the underlying root causes are automatically documented to drive continuous improvement. Oversight clients can easily demonstrate to the board and, if ever necessary, to the regulatory authorities that proactive monitoring of business transactions for anti-bribery and corruption risk is an integral part of company operations. With Oversight's Insights On Demand, you can have a best practice approach to identify possible violations in travel and entertainment and procure-to-pay programs. For more information, visit us at oversightsystems.com. Innovation indeed. I hope you will join me for the entire one-month series on innovation. I'm going to take a look at artificial intelligence, social media, leadership, and structural innovations. I think you will find it a fascinating month, and at the end of the month, you will have multiple tools and techniques which you can utilize to make your compliance program not only more effective, but operationalized, more efficient, and helping you to create greater profitability for your organization. This podcast, One Month to a Better Compliance Program, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 8, Design Thinking. Design thinking is another innovation which can help the chief compliance officer move forward in a cutting-edge manner to make a compliance program not only more robust, but also to operationalize it into the fabric of an organization. Such a mechanism would help to drive compliance into the operational nature of a company, where, <clears throat> which is where the latest pronouncement of the Department of Justice in their evaluation of corporate compliance programs suggests a company should take their compliance program. Design thinking can bring innovation in a number of ways to your compliance program. The approach, once used primarily in product design, is now infusing corporate culture. Certainly, every CCO or compliance practitioner can use it in redesigning your compliance program for your internal customers, i.e. your employees and third parties that may fall under your compliance program. All of these groups have a user experience in doing compliance that may be complex and interactive. You need to design a compliance infrastructure to the way people work so that doing compliance becomes burned into the DNA of a workforce. The first component of design thinking is to focus on the user's experience with compliance. Designers need to focus on the emotional experience of the users, the concerns, the desires, the aspirations, the engagement, the experience to describe the product, systems, and users. Team members discuss emotional resonance of a value proposition as much as they discuss utility and product requirements. For the compliance function, this could be centered on 
such touch points as the employee base has with the compliance function and that should be designed around the user's needs rather than internal operating efficiencies. The next step is to create something design thinkers call design artifacts. While this is usually thought of as a physical item, it can also be spreadsheets, specifications, processes, or other documents that have come to define the traditional organizational environment. Their use is critical because they add a fluid dimension to the exploration of complexity, allowing for nonlinear thought when tackling nonlinear problems. Whatever the compliance practitioner may use, design models are tools for understanding. They present alternative ways of looking at a problem. The next step is to develop prototypes and to explore potential solutions. In other words, build a part of the system and test it from the user's perspective. <clears throat> Here is an, another uh, it, way to look at it, which is prototype. prototyping is probably the single most pragmatic behavior the innovative firm can practice. I think this is because the act of prototyping can transform an idea into something truly valuable through use, interaction, and testing, which sounds um, quite a bit like, and indeed suspiciously like, the OUDA feedback loop. Simply put, prototyping is seen as a better way to communicate ideas and obtain feedback. While it may initially sound antithetical to the CCO or compliance practitioner, a key component for design thinking is a tolerance for failure. I realize that initially it may appear that you cannot have failure in your compliance program, but when you consider that design thinking is an iterative process, it becomes more palatable. For instance, at GE, <clears throat> GE is moving away from a model of exhaustive product requirements. Teams learn to do what to do in the process of doing it, iterating, and pivoting. Once again, the OODA feedback loop. Design thinkers must exhibit thoughtful restraint when moving forward so that they can have <clears throat> deliberate decisions about what processes they should not use. This means that if a compliance process is too complicated or requires too many steps for the business unit employed to successfully navigate it, you need to pull it back. Sometimes you need to lead with constrained focus. There are three challenges in implementing design thinking. First, there must be a willingness to accept more ambiguity, particularly in the immediate expectation for a monetary return on investment. A more functional or better compliance system design may not yet immediately yield some type of cost savings, but it may be baked into the overall compliance experience. Second, a company must be willing to embrace the risk that comes from transformation. There is no way to guarantee the outcome so that the company leaders need to be willing to allow the compliance function to take some chances in directions not previously gone. Third is the resetting of expectations as design does not solve problems but rather cuts through complexity to deliver a better overall compliance experience. This in turn will make the company a better run organization. Using design thinking to improve your compliance regime by building from the ground up rather from the legalistic top-down approach favored by most lawyers. For <clears throat> it all starts with the employees, not simply the problem. You so you begin by asking questions, lots of questions, more questions, questions, questions. From that point, you should formulate a proposed solution as the problem statement. You are then ready to begin brainstorming to come up with some solutions. First is to state the problem solve with enough clarity of specificity. Second is to identify the objectives of the problem solution. The third step is to generate alternative solutions and create a list of alternatives prior to having a group discussion. And finally, you need to end up with collectively generating alternative solutions.
This final step is put to the test and proposed solutions, or test, test, prototype, and test again. The key is to avoid prejudgments, so let the tester interpret the prototype and obtain the feedback. It is incumbent to iterate throughout the process multiple times, which allows you to narrow the scope of the solution and move forward on broader concepts to nuanced details. This design thinking protocol helps to use helps you create a more effective ethics and compliance training model. <clears throat> It allows employees to provide the initial input to improve the effectiveness and relevance to frontline employees. The compliance team then implements several proposed solutions until the most operative one, one or ones become apparent. These are then rolled out company-wide for a better and more effective compliance training experience. The entire process is documented, and when the regulators, such as the Department of Justice or SEC, come knocking, you'll have the ability to not only explain your training protocol, but also demonstrate its effectiveness. And it will also allow you to demonstrate how and why you have designated target training for specific employees. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, design thinking concepts are not simply for product innovation, but they're for cultural innovation as well. And this also extends out to business process innovation. Number two, design thinking works around the user's needs rather than internal operating efficiencies. For a compliance program and compliance regime within a company, this means employees, third parties, and customers. Who are the users of your compliance program? And number three, design thinking works to improve your compliance regime by building from the ground up rather than a legalistic top-down approach. So we're trying to get away from the old school command and control compliance component or compliance regime, run out of the head office, by the head office, for the head office. Uh, it gets the compliance out into the field and really allows you to embrace the evaluation of corporate compliance programs requirement to operationalize your compliance program going forward. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to day eight of one month of innovation and compliance, and I hope you will join me tomorrow for day nine. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you again for listening to this episode of One Month to More Effective Innovation and Compliance. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I hope that you would rate our podcast as would help in our rankings and help get the word out about the only monthly podcast series in compliance, which will help you create a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>